Flyover Film Country. I'm Olivia Clement, and today we're doing something a little different. We are going to be covering Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, and the way it's going to be different is we are going to record our thoughts separately and just put them together. I say we, Walter is going to put that together, so shout out to Walter. So I'm up first, and you know, I'm excited. I've got my coffee with me. I am a little intrigued to see how I go about doing this by myself with no banter or interruptions. That will be new. So I'm excited about that. Um, so I'll just start with my initial rating right out the gate, out the out of the movie theater. My initial rating was three out of five. Uh, upon reflection and thinking about it and, and really just like sitting with the movie, I I changed my rating from a three to a two and a half out of five. Or if we're going by uh, a 10, 10 point scale, it went from a six to a five. So um, I'm just going to get started into why I think that, why I kind of gave it that rating right off the gate, right, right off the bat, right out the gate. I, I really feel like it stepped away from the charm and the humor of the previous two movies. Personally, not enough Judy Greer or Michael Pena. Uh, there was there was neither one of them in it, and that's that's really just tragic in my opinion. I get why. I understand that their characters weren't a part of it, but I feel like that really took away from the humor and the charm of these movies. Uh, that we, I mean, I say we, I personally have grown to love the Ant-Man movies. This, um, I was really looking forward to this trilogy, to the, the third installment of this trilogy, because I really think that the first two are, are just really just kind of wonderful. And part of it is because Paul Rudd is so just dang charming and charismatic and also the ageless wonder. But part of it also is the ensemble is also fantastic and works really well together. And I think that we did not get we did not get that. And there's probably a couple of reasons for that. The script maybe uh, that there was too much going on. I don't know. You can develop your own feelings about why it didn't feel like they were quite as charming. Also, I realized that this was maybe a little more serious than the last two movies because Kang is a big scary dude and he's the main bad guy. So I get that. Um, my next point is MODOK. I think a lot of people want to talk about MODOK. I don't know anything about MODOK and I don't really care about MODOK. He seems real weird. And I realize that's kind of the point. It's like this goofy, weird thing of this like giant floating head with like baby arms and baby legs. And I think that they tried to make that funny. And it, some parts of it were funny. Like um, like the whole exchange between him and Cassie where she was just like, don't be a dick. And he's like, I don't know how. And she has the line that goes, it's never too late to not be a dick. That was funny. And I, I laughed at that. But other than that, like, I don't know, kind of was hoping... I'd see George Lopez show up as as Modoc. That'd be fun. It'd be like Spy Kids, uh, which brings me to my next point. It felt like this was referencing a lot of movies, which I appreciate. I, I can I can get behind paying a tribute 
or an homage to to other movies that inspire you. It felt like there was some Mad Max Fury Road references. It felt like there was uh, a little bit of Avatar. It felt like definitely Star Wars, which I saw that other people also thought it felt like Star Wars. Um, Just with Kang kind of being like Darth Vader, the Emperor, and all the little like his like foot soldiers that look like stormtroopers. Um, so there's that, but also it really did feel like spy kids. And I think people have been saying that really from jump. And I think it's, it's hilarious. And especially when Modoc showed up, it really felt like George Lopez's character in spy kids. And so was this Ant-Man three or was it spy kids four or five? I don't know. You know how many spy kids we're at right now. So, but who's to say, um, I do want to go back to the exchange about don't being a dick. I think that really also highlights Cassie's good hearted nature. I think she really, we got more character development with her and maybe I think out of all the characters, we maybe got the most character development out of her, which is interesting, but also kind of sad because there was not a whole lot of character development. And I realized that like Scott and Hope are kind of established at this point, like they're established characters. And we see Scott really wrestle with like, should he do this and give Kang his like ship's power source back or, or is he going to, you know, put the fate of the entire world in in danger by doing that like you see him wrestle with that a little bit but I feel like Cassie got more screen time and I realized she's been a child in the previous two and we don't really see her in uh end game we see her for like five minutes when she hugs Scott when he gets back and then <clears throat> excuse me at the end we see her and Hope and Scott together. That's like all the screen time she has. But anyway, I it, it just really seems like they're they're showing that Cassie has a really good heart and really cares about people and, and doing right by people. Anyway, I think a lot of people are confused by the slow pace of the Kang Dynasty that we are currently in right now with the MCU. And I get that. I totally understand why people feel that way. I also think that if we were to go back to Iron Man, the very beginning, we would also see how like slowly this was paced. And I think there's pros and cons to that. I think sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I'm not sitting here being like, this is how you should do it. Um, or this is how I would do it. But the Thanos era was also slow. And I think what worked for that era was one, we didn't know what we were doing with that. We didn't know what we were getting. And so it was just kind of fun to see these individual characters do their thing. And then like the fun little you know, in credit scene that was like, oh, that's so-and-so from the Thor movie. And he's now in this one. What is happening? And now it's like, okay, we know the formula. We know what's happening. We know what you're doing. 
move it along. And I think we're, we're being impatient. I, I do think that a lot of people are just kind of over it. And, you know, I wonder if it would have been, I don't know, better if they had slowed down a little bit and not have, you know, just kind of picked up where they left off with Avengers Endgame. You know, what if they had taken more time? And I realized they kind of had to when the pandemic hit. It was like, all right, we're going to be forced to stop because we don't want to lose any money. But if they had actually taken maybe maybe like five years in between, uh, they could have put out individual ones if they wanted to, like characters that maybe don't tie into the greater Marvel comic world as much. But I don't know. I mean, I think that a lot of people are are tired of it. I mean, I, I feel myself growing tired of the Marvel movies and just the amount of content. I mean, we've talked about this I, I, on the podcast several times. I think that we all are kind of, I say we all as in the flyover crew are just kind of over it. And, um, I mean, I don't know. I do not know how, how the guys feel about this movie. Well, that's not true. I saw Isaac's review on Letterboxd, so I do know how he feels. And so I'm not going to necessarily speak for either one of them about the specific points, but I do think that we're all kind of over it. I don't know how Walter feels about this movie. Um, this movie, in my opinion, I think was better than Thor Love and Thunder, but that doesn't make me want to rewatch this movie. Like I, I will probably never watch Thor Love and Thunder again. I don't know if I will watch this one again. Now there are other MCU movies that I, I will absolutely watch again. This will not be one of them, I think, unless I'm just like, now what happened to Kang? But even then, I could just look it up. So, so maybe uh, less crapping on this movie and more just like kind of things I'm a little excited about is the Young Avengers. I think that they they keep teasing the Young Avengers, right? We got Eli Bradley in Falcon and Winter Soldier. We've got the Maximoff twins. We've got Kate Bishop, we've got Yelena, and now we have Cassie Lang. And so all of these characters at some point in time in the comics were a part of the Young Avengers. And I really, I'm just interested in those characters. I think that it would be really cool to, to see them together. Now, growing up, I watched uh, Young Justice League a little bit. And, you know, I just, I just think it's really interesting to see how these teenagers deal with stuff. Uh, but I also watched Teen Titans and Teen Titans is one of my favorite shows. And I don't know, maybe it's, it's my tendency to really love coming of age stories, but I am much more interested in seeing how like these characters, one fit together and two deal with and handle these, these situations that, heroes find themselves in superheroes find themselves in and wrestling with the pressure of being a hero but also trying to be a person and what does that mean and all of that which which i don't think we see enough in the adult superheroes that we're getting in the mcu right now like i i 
I feel like there's not there's not enough of the human element to it and that's I think frustrating and disappointing because that's the like I think I was gonna say that's the appeal of superheroes I think the appeal is they're superheroes but I think what makes a a superhero story really compelling is the human element to it because then it's like okay they're they're like us you know uh and i think i think that's maybe one of the reasons why i've loved scott lang so much is because he's felt the most relatable like you see him you know make mistakes and try really hard to redeem himself and and just be a good dad to cassie like and, and it's really sweet right like like that moment in Avengers Endgame where he comes back from the quantum realm and and immediately goes to find Cassie and he hugs her and that embrace ah oh, it's just it's so beautiful it's so sweet it's so touching but we don't we don't get a whole lot of of human aspects and elements with a lot of these superheroes they're you know, they're, they're Tony Starks who they're like the Tony Starks of, of this, of the world where they're just really douchey and self-centered. And we, and I say that I use Tony Stark as an example. We see him really embrace his vulnerability and his fear over time. But right out the gate, I mean, a lot of people love Tony Stark. And I think I do like Tony Stark. Maybe this was a bad example. I'm just kind of going off the cuff here. That's okay. But Tony Stark doesn't feel relatable to me because he is nothing like me. And I realize that people like the idea of being Tony Stark. But also, he like kind of sucked there at the beginning. He had to kind of go through it in order to, to become redeemable and become a better person and so I mean those are just my thoughts on Tony Stark but also I think Captain America became so like not self-righteous I don't know I feel like I'm gonna be like really offending so many people by saying by using those two as my examples of not having the human element because I think that they do in some ways but I don't know. I, I I think that Scott Lang just feels more approachable, and maybe it's because I don't. I've never been like the one to envision myself as a superhero, and Scott Lang feels like he never. Like, I mean, that's his whole shtick, right? Is like I shouldn't be here, and he even says in the movie at the beginning and end of of this movie of how like his life doesn't make sense, and he he shouldn't be where he's at, and I think he says it to Cassie. Uh, at one point in the movie of everything in my life has been a mistake except for you. And, you know, I feel like that's way more relatable than the billionaire genius playboy philanthropist of Tony Stark or the, the all American good old boy. I mean, I guess, Steve Rogers is not a good old boy, but he's an all-American boy for sure. And that feels way... So, Scott Lang feels more relatable to me than 
um, most of the Avengers. So, um, anyway, but I would like to see the Young Avengers because I think that they are probably more relatable. Maybe. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Um, I have felt that that they have been i mean just not as the young avengers but just like as our individual characters as we've seen them in black widow and hawkeye and captain and winter uh captain falcon and winter soldier and uh wandavision like and now in quantumania like they feel more relatable and tangible as as characters like you you know someone who's like them. I guess Yelena might be the exception because I don't know any assassins. So there's that. But Florence Pugh's so good that she, that she makes that character feel relatable. So anyway, um, the last thing I'm going to talk about really is, is Kang. I say the last thing. We'll see. Kang is is scary. My thing is they didn't make him scary enough. I'm sorry to Scott Lang, but he should be dead. He should not have survived that final fight between him and Kang. Kang should have killed him. And I think this is my other issue with the MCU is that no one no one dies and it's not permanent unless it's like hey we're sending we're sending him off you know we're sending him off sorry I had to get some coffee and I think Scott should have died like he's just a human man in a suit and while his suit and his abilities in the suit are pretty impressive that's no match for for Kang the Conqueror, or it shouldn't be, and yet it was. And so that just, I don't know. Let the threat be a threat, and and let it be scary, and make make it permanent. I guess I don't know. That's that's just my thing. I I don't know. So that that's like a big gripe I have with that is like Kang is scary, but he wasn't scary enough for me because he should have killed Scott. But whatever. And I say that as someone again, I've I've said this multiple times. Like I I love Ant-Man. I love Scott Lang. Paul Rudd is is just a dreamboat. I love him so much. Like I genuinely love him so much. I have loved him since I saw Clueless as a very small child. So Anyway, I, I'm sorry. I just got a text and uh, I was, I'm in a group with some of my friends who saw the movie before I did. And I finally was talking to him about it. And my friend said, Scott should be dead, but he was saved by a strong and powerful woman. And I realized like a lot of people are going to see that as like, oh, this is just a attempt to be woke or whatever which is like such an obnoxious take. I do think it's just kind of crazy that also Hope came in and just shot Kang a couple times 
with some blasters. She came in and goes, anyway, so I started blasting. And and just freaking took out Kang. Like it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't it doesn't make sense that these two humans who are just literally in a suit just like beat Kang. It I'm just so annoyed by it. Anyway, going back to how scary Kang is. At the end, the very final end credit scene, uh, we see Victor Timely. We also see Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson from the Loki show. So we see Tom Hiddleston as Loki and then Owen Wilson as Mobius, who I almost always want to call Morbius, but it's Mobius. Anyway, so we see them and Loki looks terrified and Mobius is like, he's just some dude. Wow. He's just some dude. That was my own Wilson impression. Thank you, everyone. Wow. I'm going to stop. That's that's the last time I'll say it. But obviously, Loki looks terrified because he knows how scary Kang and his variants can be. And it says on the sign on the stage where we see Kang, it says Victor Timely. Well, Victor Timely is... I, I did a little research. And by little research, I mean I went to the Googles and went to Wikipedia. And Victor Timely is Kang Prime. So he's like one of the main Kangs. I think he's the the prime one, if you will. And I was I went to see this movie with my friends Noelia and Victor. Shout out to them. Victor, if you remember from our Hawkeye episode, was one of our guests and he talked on the episode with us. And so Victor is really into comic books. He reads a lot. And he was telling us last night that 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 could have also been Nathaniel Richards, which I looked into Victor the character of Victor Timely on Wikipedia. And Nathaniel Richards uses that name, Victor Timely, as a pseudonym. And like it's a fake name he uses. So it very well could be Nathaniel Richards. Now, if you're know if you know anything about Marvel characters, you're thinking, huh, Richards. Is there any relation to Reed Richards, aka Mr. Fantastic from the Fantastic Four? And if you are thinking that, you are correct in that thought. So Nathaniel Richards is is related to Reed and we talked about it last night and I originally thought he was like a great, great, great grandson. Um, I was, as I was looking into it, Nathaniel Richards is Reed Richards father, but he is a time traveler cause he's Kang and he is actually from like 3,100 something like 3105 or something like that. I don't know. It's that far. It's like that far in the future. And he comes back in time and he goes back to the like, then he goes back to several points in time. But anyway, he ends up getting with Reed Richards, mom. They have Reed and that's how, how Reed is born because when a mommy and a daddy love each other very much, 
Just kidding. I mean, that is kind of how it works. But anyway, so what does this mean if if that really is Nathaniel Reed? Well, uh, or sorry, Nathaniel Richards. My bad. Well, it could mean we're getting a reference to Reed Richards and the Fantastic Four and Loki. That'd be really cool. We know that we're getting a Fantastic Four movie in the MCU. I read the other day that Kevin Feige said the... Sorry for making that noise on mic. I hope that did not actually come out on the mic. If it did, my bad. Didn't know it was happening. Anyway, uh, what was I talking... Oh, Fantastic Four and Loki. That's right. That's right. That's right. So, yeah. So, I, you know, I think it'd be cool... If we got a reference to them in Loki season two, which is coming out later this year, I don't think a release date has been given for that yet, but if it has, you can Google it. Anyway, uh, Kevin Feige did say that the Fantastic Four are going to be like a major focal point for the MCU moving forward once they're introduced. And it, I think that just kind of reiterates the fact that the Reed Richards we get will be for sure related to Nathaniel Richards and Kang. And we're going to see, we're going to see them battle it out, have a family reunion. Uh, so, so it'll just, it'll just be interesting to see what they do with that. Uh, I feel like there are clearly a lot of variants of Kang. Excuse me. He is, a scary dude. And, you know, I keep seeing people being like, well, he's an Avengers level threat. Like that's cool. Which is, yeah, that is true. Um, excuse me, getting coffee. He is an Avengers level threat. I don't know how the Avengers are going to beat him unless it's like kind of the same kind of lame thing they did in, in this movie where it's like, Oh, we got him. We just blasted him. And now there are, I think, characters in the Marvel Universe that that could actually stand a chance. You know, um, I don't believe Wanda is dead. Uh, I, I think, you know, we are led to believe that at the end of Doctor Strange Multiverse into Madness. But, you know, no body, no crime. Sorry, that was a Taylor Swift song. I don't know. I just wanted to say that. Anyway, but we didn't see her body. There's no way she's actually dead, right? Like, that's the movie rule. If there's no body, then they're not dead. So, I don't think she's actually dead. I think Wanda could probably take on Kang. I think Wanda and Captain Marvel, sorry, fanboys. Uh, I, I do think that they can take take him on now are they gonna defeat him i don't know about that if they actually let kang be be kang you know because i think thanos those two individually were were fighting thanos handedly like thanos got real scared when captain marvel showed up and it was obvious. And I, again, I think a lot of people were upset about that because it was just like, she was just introduced the movie prior and I get it. I understand whatever, but 
Captain Marvel, especially her comic book version, is really powerful. So, let her be powerful. Let women be great. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for doing that. Anyway, going back to Reed Richards. I So, does this mean we're going to get a black Reed Richards? I don't know, but that'd be cool. I don't know who they'd cast. Um, if I'm thinking like specifically black actors for this, I'm thinking William Jackson Harper, who we did see in this movie. So I don't know if we're going to get him as Reed Richards, but I think he'd be a fantastic Reed Richards. But I don't know. Also, I think his character in this movie and his character in The Good Place would be like best friends. But anyway, um, those were kind of all the, the main points I wanted to hit on. I do... Yeah, I did not love this movie. I was really disappointed by it. I think I need to just start adjusting my expectations for Marvel movies because I have not really enjoyed any of the ones. I mean, I think... I enjoyed Black Panther, Wakanda Forever which was probably more sentimental than anything else. Although I do think the movie itself was good. I enjoyed Spider-Man No Way Home. But again, I think that was more like just the nostalgia aspect of it. Although, again, I do think the movie itself was good. And I, I didn't feel like it was... I, I don't think it took as... I think I liked the pacing of it. That's what I was trying to get up. Sorry, my, my brain went dead for a second. I liked the pacing of it. I liked, I so I, yeah, I really liked No Way Home. If you want to hear my thoughts on it, we have an episode over it. So, but other than that, nothing really from phase four of the MCU just really blew me away. I loved WandaVision. I loved most of WandaVision. I enjoyed Black Widow. I do. I think that it should come out before. Yes. But whatever. We got it. I liked it. And that's about it, I think, as far as my standouts from Phase 4, which is crazy because Phase 4 was longer than all like the entirety of phases one through three. I liked Miss Marvel. I did like Miss Marvel. I thought it was cute. So I'm excited to see her in the Marvels. I think that'll be really great. I think that she and Brie Larson are going to have really good chemistry together. And I think it's gonna be fun. And I want it to be fun. So I am, I'm looking forward to Guardians of the Galaxy and I'm really upset that I'm looking forward to it so much, which is the next movie that comes out. And then that comes out in May, the Marvels come out in November. I don't know what shows outside of Loki are coming out this year off the top of my head. I guess I should have looked that up, but whatever. Anyway, so these have been all of my thoughts on Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania I hope that it was coherent and I hope that you guys enjoyed it. If you disagree with my thoughts, that's okay. Tell me what your thoughts are. I'd love to talk about it with you. 
Um, next up is Isaac, I believe. And, you know, he's going to have a lot of robust thoughts, I think, and maybe some hot takes. And then Walter will be after Isaac. And I am looking forward to hearing what both of their thoughts are. I think Walter is just going to be really funny and cracking jokes the whole time. And yeah, I think that this, this way of doing our episode is just going to highlight and emphasize all of our characteristics and who we are as people and podcasters. So anyway, uh, without further ado, Isaac Sims, everyone. Guys, I'm doing it. I'm doing the Walter Lyle treatment. I'm recording whilst driving, akin to Walter watching and driving uh, Left Behind several weeks ago. But I am recording this on the go. I'm in Northwest Arkansas, and I have have not talked to Walter, or I have talked to Walter about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, but I have not talked to Olivia, so I don't know what she thinks of the third installment in this franchise and the 30 20 something odd marvel movie that's ever been made but i want to just give a couple thoughts on this movie um i think this movie is really bad i think it's not good i think that when you watch this movie and you can kind of I've heard people parse apart, you know, saying, well, this would have worked better if Cassie, if they'd focused more on Cassie and Scott's relationship, or it would have been better if they had focused more on Hope's arc. And guys, this is just a badly made movie. The script is not very good, or maybe it was, and it was edited to death, as Marvel is known to do. But guys, you look at Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd, one of the most likable people. Uh, You guys have heard me and Olivia wax eloquent about our love for him in our uh, top performances in the MCU episode last year because he's voting it in. It's not a good performance. Michelle Pfeiffer and Jonathan Majors really carry this movie. There's really no excuse for this movie to, to look this bad to feel as hackneyed at every turn as it does. I feel like every trope that can be kind of crammed into a Marvel movie, into a Marvel movie that was basically copied from star Wars. Cause this movie is a lot more like star Wars than it is a Marvel movie, um, but still fails. Um, you know, it's just, it's just really disappointing because uh, I won't make the point that many people have made that this feels like a, kind of it feels like an improper departure for what is normally a very small kind of almost high stakes heist story which ant-man has been in the marvel movies or in the marvel universe and this feels galactic in a way and it's it could work it could work but from the beginning everything's moving too fast you don't really buy Catherine Newton's chemistry with Paul Rudd. Actually, I'm, I will rephrase that. I just really don't think that they have chemistry. I don't think Catherine Newton is very good, unfortunately. Like, I really don't. I'm, I'm Guys, I'm not a hater. I love Ant-Man and the Wasp more than almost anyone. And 
this this guy's is, is just isn't a good movie. I'm I'm saying I'm appealing to like to you, the audience, or you, the listener, as if this was a an informal kind of one on one conversation. But the CGI in this is bad. Um, if you want, if you want to know like what the quantum realm should have looked like, it should have looked like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. And if you hate that movie, you need to look deep inside yourself. And just uh, ask yourself why. Why am I? Why do I think the way that I think? Because Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two is one of the, not only one of the best Marvel movies. Um, it's one of the best. It's probably the best looking Marvel movie. Don't don't come at me with Endgame and all that stuff because the final battle in Endgame looks like concrete. Um, I look back at you know movies like Captain America: Civil War that was kind of slammed for how bad it looked, and guys, in comparison, Captain America: Civil War is the parallax view because it actually had compelling characters that made their decisions made sense. Their motivations made sense and it was intriguing and engaging and you gotta you gotta give credit where credit is due and i feel like peyton reed was kind of at the whim of either kevin feige or paul rudd making changes at the last minute um finally yeah no i'm not even finally but oh yeah last thing um pena michael pena and david dustmalchen and uh ti not being in this movie make it almost completely joyless. There's one really, really great joke from William Jackson Harper as a mind reader with Paul Rudd, and their chemistry is really good, and if they had been teamed up throughout the whole movie, it would have been a better movie. So those are my thoughts. I am giving this approximately five minutes because I really don't think Ant-Man and the, and the Wasp Quantumania deserves more than five minutes of your time. Um, don't go see it. I think Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is going to be phenomenal. So save your dollars, go see that, and then go see Marvel's to support women. So um, I say that flippantly, but I do, I do look ahead at hope with those, for those two movies and specifically to see uh, Town of Paris and, um, oh man, I'm a terrible person for forgetting her name, but uh, Kamala Khan, uh, Amon Vellani, uh, I believe that's her name seeing those new characters alongside Brie Larson is going to bring a lot of new dynamics to the character of Captain Marvel. So yeah, that's, it's just, this is why we stopped covering MCU movies, guys. I am curious whether or not that lines up with what Olivia thinks. Uh, Otherwise this is going to be a pretty jarring transition from her thoughts into my thoughts, but I know Walter felt kind of the same. So spoilers here are Walter's thoughts. Yeah, so I'm going to take a page out of Isaac's book here and record my part of this episode of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Uh, As I'm driving, I'm going to Walmart to get uh, some Coke for my wife and I to make Coke floats. And none of you losers and morons can stop me. So, like Isaac, I agree that... I don't think this movie deserves more than just a few minutes of my time to talk about, meaning as I'm going to talk about this movie until I get to Walmart. And buddy, it's not a long drive, so let's do it real quick. 
things, let's start with things I liked. Let's start on a good note. Um, I like Jonathan Majors as Kang. Uh, that's what everybody, that seems to be the common, the common ground that everybody can agree on is that Jonathan Majors did a great job as Kang. Great performance. Uh, very compelling. I believe him as Kang and... I look forward to seeing what else he does uh, as the MCU moves forward. I think that's one of the admittedly few positive things that came out of this movie, which um, I don't, I don't think Isaac and Olivia mentioned this. Maybe they did, but this is, this is the first movie for this kicks off phase five. Uh, This is the new, um, the new phase for the MCU. Uh, and it's the, the big bad, the new Thanos, uh, it, for lack of a better way of putting it, is Kang. And so I look forward to seeing everything that he's going to bring to it. Very exciting. Very cool. Um, what else did I like? Is that it? <laughs> that might be it. That might be all I like, dude. All right, well, let's move into what was bad. Uh, I'll take it I'll take it in uh, in sections here. So... Let's start with the acting, and I know Isaac mentioned this, but uh, Paul Rudd and Catherine Newton, both actors that I really liked. Uh, Catherine Newton was in a movie called Freaky with Vince Vaughn, where uh, Vince Vaughn played a serial killer and Catherine Newton played a normal high school girl, and they uh, switched bodies, uh, uh, and it was a very quirky, very campy uh, comedy horror kind of thing, um, kind of... I, it might have been bigger than I thought it was, but from what I understood, it kind of flew into the radar, and that's the first thing I saw Catherine Newton in, and I thought she was great. thought she was a great actress, and when I saw that she was going to be in the new Ant-Man movie playing Cassie, uh, Scott Lang's daughter, I was like, oh, cool. That'll be fun. That'll be exciting. Uh, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Uh, zero chemistry between her and Paul Rudd, and I don't, I don't think it's her or Paul Rudd's fault. I think it comes down to the direction and the writing, which I'll talk, I'll talk about in just a minute. Um, but the rest of the acting, it, it felt like Isaac said that um, that Paul Rudd was phoning it in. I felt like most everybody was phoning it in, uh, except for I think Catherine Newton was giving it her all, but she just didn't have <laughs> a whole lot to work with. Um, so just all around Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, Michael Douglas, Paul Rudd, nobody was really convincing in their roles, which is weird because in the previous two Ant-Man movies, especially the first one, no, my, my watch just recorded the last like (laughs) 60 seconds of me talking anyway. Um, man, what was I saying? Oh Yeah a great cast from the first two movies. Uh, and, uh, nobody seemed to really care in this one, which means that I, as a viewer also didn't really care because why would I care if they don't care? So yeah, all around acting again, aside from Jonathan Majors as Kang, um, it was just uh, pretty lackluster writing. Uh, I think writing was worse than the acting. Uh, I know Olivia kind of praised the scene where Catherine Newton tells uh, Modoc, which I'll talk about Modoc in a second, uh, where she says it's never too late to stop being a dick. I think that's surface level funny, but that is kind of how that ho- this whole movie was written. Like it wasn't none of it's deep. Any message this movie has is just thrown right in your face with no sense of. Uh, Subtlety? I don't know. There's a truck. Okay, I'm in the Walmart parking lot. There's a truck just sitting in the middle 
of the aisle. I'd like to park. Okay. Thank you. Um, oh man, what was I saying? Hmm. You're probably listening to this screaming what to try to tell me what I was talking about. Truck really threw me off there. Hmm. Jonathan Majors, he was great. Whatever, who cares? Modoc. No, this is not. I already went. Okay. The ri- oh, the writing is super in your face. That's what it was. So yeah, I thought writing was just not compelling at all. There was nothing fun about it. Even when it tried to be fun, it wasn't <laughs> that fun. Uh, direction. Um, again, I think the lack of chemistry between Paul Rudd and Catherine Newton and kind of the whole cast really came down to just poor direction, uh, not focusing on the characters, uh, as much as the Ant-Man movies historically have, because as Olivia mentioned, I mean, this is such a Scott Lang's character and his story is, is very endearing because it's very relatable. He's a, he's a normal guy who got it thrust into this. It's the same reason that Spider-Man is like insanely popular. I love Spider-Man because he feels like he could be anybody, you know? But then in this one, they're like, we're going to go into this basically alternate dimension where nothing is real as we understand it. There's not going to be any, it's not rooted in reality really in any way, or at least in the reality that we're familiar with on earth. So, uh, Direction and writing kind of came together to give us uh, just a big old pile of nothing. <sighs> and then the characters, uh, new characters, uh, I mentioned uh, Kang obviously is great. Modok, um, what a letdown, dude. Modok is one of the, I wouldn't say coolest because he's supposed to be goofy. But he's one of the more like interesting and compelling and weird villains in the Marvel universe. And, uh, man, what a waste to have Darren come back. I forgot that he even existed in the MCU. Cause it's been so long since I've seen the first Ant-Man, but how lame to bring him back as Modoc and then just to have him get his, you know, get his ass kicked in the, the final fight. He had like, with his like five second redemption arc. I don't know. Dumb. But the dumbest part of the movie, by far, and this is what me and my friends laughed about the hardest in the in the theaters when we were watching it, was when the ants created their own like advanced society, and they pretty much single handedly defeated Kang <laughs> because of that, dude. That's one of the dumbest one of the dumbest plot points I've ever seen in a superhero movie. And I've seen the first Blade movie. So, all around, uh, very boring, forget, there's a lot of things I didn't even mention because I don't, I'm sitting, I lied, I said I would talk about this movie only as long as it took me to get to Walmart. And I'm at Walmart now, but I wanted to wrap this up at least as much as I can in a nice little package here. Yeah, overall, very forgettable movie. Um, I, like, the next day, it was, like, in the afternoon. It was, like, more than 24 hours later where I was like, oh, yeah, wait, I did see that movie. (laughs) Nothing stuck with me, really. And uh, it wasn't because of one, any particular thing that they did wrong. It was a lot of things they did wrong that came together just to make it boring. And, uh, 
Yeah. Um, I think it's a huge miss on a lot of people's part. Uh, it's a real shame to see Paul Rudd and his character and, and his whole gang to be done like to be done dirty like this really and it's even a bigger shame to introduce kang like this i think if you're going to introduce a villain like kang into the mcu you need to put him in a movie that's not not ant-man basically i think he would have been much better to bring in in multiverse of madness uh, dr strange or uh with in with guardians of the galaxy something that is like on a bigger scale than what ant-man should have been it was just just a bad choice to bring kang in uh because he kind of stuck out like a sore thumb amidst the rest of the uh you know the characters we all know and love so i don't know uh hoping it'll get better uh i definitely have mcu fatigue we've talked about this uh, in previous episodes it's why we don't really cover the mcu that much anymore and uh, why we also didn't feel like we needed to <laughs> have like a, a sit down real recording session between the three of us because we don't I don't I don't think it deserved it. I don't know if Isaac gave this movie a rating um, at the end of his, but I know Olivia did and she she dropped it from a three out of five to a two and a half out of five. Um, if I have to use the letterbox rating, uh, I'll I would give it a two out of five. Real forgettable. Uh, definitely would not be an MCU movie that I watch again. And I'm really hoping that uh, Big Daddy Feige takes because uh, this is this is the common. We're not alone in <laughs> feeling this way about this movie. Pretty much every review kind of uh, probably has the same the same sentiments that we do about it. So I'm hoping I'm hoping the executives are are listening to and reading a lot of these uh, critiques. And moving forward, make these stories a lot more compelling, a lot more human. Bring the stakes back down a little bit. I know Kang is huge. He's going to be, like, even scarier than Thanos. But that doesn't mean that every single (laughs) MCU movie has to be this, like, if we don't stop this guy, everybody will not only die, they'll, like, have their souls sucked out like Dementors. I'm tired of the big stakes like that. Let's let's bring in some more of the normal stories. Let's bring in like the Ant-Man 1 type stories. Like, let's bring it down a little bit. Let's bring it down a notch. And that's my last thought on that. I got to go in here and get some soda pop. Bye.